Welcome once again to Shift of the Gaze, Our Theology for Our World. I'm Michael Kimpan with Dr. Joanne Marie Terrell, the Associate Professor of Theology, Ethics, and the Arts at Chicago Theological Seminary. The theoretical framework for our Shift of the Gaze podcast is based upon Dr. Terrell's Ten Tenets of Art, generated out of her pedagogical work bridging the disciplines of theology, ethics, and the arts for graduate students accustomed to pedagogies that favored rationality almost to the exclusion of their particular creative gifts and even their unexplored creativity. The first three episodes considered tenets one through seven. We begin this fourth installment with a consideration of tenet number eight, which states, art like beauty is in the eye, ear, and heart of the beholder, hearer, and lover. Thus, it is both the endeavor and the relationship between artist and audience that count more than the performance itself. Performance still counts. Dr. Terrell, we often close the podcast with the first part of this tenet, art like beauty is in the eye, ear, and heart of the beholder, hearer, and lover. What is the significance of that statement, and how can it inform our listeners about a relationship to art and an orientation to life? Often when I speak of art or myself as an artist, people presume I simply mean the visual arts. Those who know that I sing or that I'm a songwriter and a playwright may recognize that I'm speaking more broadly about art than the visual arts. Similarly to the ways we can narrow the meaning of sensuality to refer only to sexuality, I have even been struck by the ways I myself have limited my own understanding of what constitutes art and beauty and the ways that connects to my experience of myself as a sensual being. By sensual, I mean that I have been endowed with five senses— the senses of hearing, touching, seeing, smelling, and tasting, by which I perceive art and all things enjoyable, as well as all things insipid, as well as all things painful. But I have found that whenever and wherever my heart engages with any given stimulus is where I will find art and beauty. I have found art and beauty in paintings and drawings, in songs I've heard in my dreams or over the airwaves, in dramatic performances, in meaningful relationships that, as Carlos Castaneda's character Don Juan Matus puts it, cause me to rearrange my points of assemblage, and even in the ways a complete stranger's embodied grace deployed at once my sense of God, the esthete, constantly vesting and reinvesting the world with beauty, with me and through me, apart from me and for me. I believe wholeheartedly that I am gifted with the gifts of others and that I have an ethical duty to perceive and receive the gifts of others for the good of my heart. Art, like beauty, is in the eye, the ear, and heart of the beholder, hearer, and lover. It is also in our senses of smell and touch whether or not we are erotically motivated by that which engages us. In fact, the erotic or sensual is never not present in human experience. It is the gift of God. This is why St. Augustine, unlike his Hellenistic counterparts, would never have condemned sexuality and experience of the sensual. 
He was actually more sex positive than many of us acknowledge or know how to be ourselves, given that our sensibilities around sexuality are often based on societal norms and privileged traditional intentional misuses of scripture rather than speak the truth about human experience, the good, the bad, and everything in between. What he deemed our disordered love is not a condemnation of our love of any good thing or person, but a rebuke of the shift of our gaze away from the creator as the filter or lens through which we view our loves, by which we vest or reinvest and often divest others and ourselves of their and our sacred worth. As surely as we can enjoy the gifts and graces of others without objectifying them, we can enjoy the wide world of art without limiting who can be considered an artist, what can be considered art, or who and what can be considered beautiful. Our hearts are so reactive that when we listen to them, they speak truth we may not hear and bring awareness of the beauty in things and people we've been conditioned to ignore and also bring us to a deeper appreciation of the things and people who mean the most to us. Following our hearts into an unlimited appreciation of beauty as expressed, whether through art or in our relationships with others, is, I think, the responsibility of any consciously living artist as well as any human. This sacramental perspective of the senses, sensuality, and even sexuality is observable in various examples of well-known works of art, such as Michelangelo's sculpture David, Botticelli's painted masterpiece hailing antiquity The Birth of Venus, or in the breathtaking performance of Andre Bocelli's Conti per Tiro, in which the words of the Italian opera need not even be translated into our native tongue for one to hear the beautiful gift that is, to me, one of the most perfect musical performances in a generation. Yet I suspect it is not merely the performance which creates an emotional response to that song in particular. I suspect anyone who hears or views Bocelli's performance and doesn't feel something should have their pulse checked. It says something in the poetic endeavor and commitment to seek, find, and until the end pursue beauty and love in its poignant lyrics. In English they read, When I live, I only dream of a horizon lacking words. In the shadow and in three lights, everything is black for my look. If you are not next to me here, you in your world, separated from mine by an abyss, hey, call me, I'll fly to your distant world, for you I will fly. Wait, I'll arrive, my end of journey is you. To live it both, for you I will fly for heaven and seas to your love. Finally, opening my eyes, I'll live with you. When you are far away, I dream a horizon lacking words, and I know you're always there, there, a moon made for me, always lit for me, for me, for me, for me. Wait, I will arrive, my end of journey is you, I will live with you, for you I will fly, I will fly. Even so, while an artist can have intent for beauty, the endeavor itself is not all that is needed for an artist's work to be perceived and received as beautiful. 
While we'll discuss the aspect of performance spoken of in this tenant toward the end of the podcast, Dr. Terrell, I wonder if you could expound upon the dynamics of the endeavor of the artist and the relationship between artist and audience as described in this tenant. I've always had a good ear for music, good timing, and good capacity to reproduce notes. As a child, I was raised on secular music and was really not familiar with the sacred music of the church, much less knew how secular music, jazz and blues, rhythm and blues, rock and roll, and other popular music was influenced by it. I heard gospel music for the first time when I was 13 and was so immediately enamored with it that I asked God for the gift of singing. So, of course, being 13, my voice cracked, and I lost a bit of confidence in my ability to carry the notes. Then, when I was 15, my mother died violently, and the shocking experience muted me for several months thereafter. Unable to speak, I found my voice after hearing gospel music sung at my guardian uncle's church, as a singer and a neophyte preacher. The texture of my voice had changed. It had become deeper and more capable of conveying emotion. As yet, I was new to the congregation, but I became over time the go-to soloist for nearly every song the junior choir sang. At my debut, the choir director told me not to be afraid to open my mouth and sing because everyone in the audience loved me, and all I had to do was try. I took her words to heart, and to this day I sincerely believe that in every audience I stand before, someone loves me, if not everyone. Again, as a mother, I've raised my own child with this same gaze, having taught her to use the creative gifts with which she has been generously endowed and to privilege whatever brings her joy. I know that I am probably her most enthusiastic fan, but it is not merely because she is a talented percussionist. It is also because I love her, and because of our relationship, she craves and receives my affirmation. I translated these personal experiences that I've had into a tenet of art that proved useful for my own drama students as an orientation to the audience in which they can assume there are those who love them, partly because they came at our invitation and partly because they elected to come and see what we had produced. The potential for negative reviews notwithstanding, Whatever power dynamics between the audience and performers shake out can always be tempered by the love that exists between those who love the art, by the love of those who love to perform, by those who love the performers, and by the performers' love for themselves. Because the deepest lesson conveyed by owning up to our creative impulses is the lesson of self-love regardless. In your recounting of your experience of breaking the muted silence and singing at the junior choir, I hear the director giving you permission, or, or better, asking you to give yourself permission to release your voice and gifts to an artistic expression, in this case through singing, with the understanding that you are loved. This perhaps illustrates the importance of this beauty-seeking endeavor without a spirit of striving or without an attempt, as we've stated in a tenant in a 
previous episode at making something happen versus letting something happen. This is hard internal work, which is necessary on the part of the artist in order for the performance to be seen not as a striving toward a particular goal or desired result, but in allowing the art and its message to be expressed via a particular medium. Dr. Terrell, could you speak to ways in which an artist may maintain the practice of letting something happen while simultaneously and consciously seeking to make that connection between themselves, their work, and the audience? Actively letting something happen, making connections between oneself, one's work, and one's audience, all point to the necessity of trust, that is, of learning to trust one's gifts, one's giftedness to others, one's situatedness in and accountability to a particular community, which often changes disruptively and or over time. It is a question for me, as an artist and a theist, of completely trusting the Creator's design and purpose for my life, and despite the vicissitudes of life, trusting the Creator's desire, nevertheless, to be the source of blessing in and through and for my life. Another way to put this is that we have to decide whether the universe is a friendly place. And if we understand it to be so, to trust that even when people have not been friendly, even though we suffer the strictures of mortal existence, the universe or the creator will somehow ensure that our sense of ourselves as a blessing and as blessed will not ultimately be interdicted. To me, letting something happen, trusting, is the vocation of any devotee and the practice of all artists. Accomplished artists are practiced in letting something happen. And accomplished artists have given themselves permission at some point to be a beginner, to learn and hone and practice their craft so that their visual art and performances have the effect of deepening the connection with their invited and intended audiences, as well as those who come because of their love for the subject matter or the craft under consideration. Exactly. This is why I remind my students that even with love serving as a mediator between themselves and the audience, performance still counts. We conclude our fourth episode having reflected on the eighth of Dr. Terrell's ten tenets of art. Art, like beauty, is in the eye, ear, and heart of the beholder, hearer, and lover. Thus, it is both the endeavor and the relationship between the artist and audience that count more than performance itself. Performance still counts. Join us next time on Shift of the Gaze when we consider tenets nine and ten. Art can facilitate or hinder prospects for authentic relationships and the artist's own capacity for transformation, resurrection, is ultimately what is being tested. And as always, as you learn to let something happen, as you learn to trust yourself, your gifts, your God deeply for the world we've been invited to co-create, we hope you dance.